the upfront stage is the premise with Dino Tripodis. Dino's guest tonight, writer-comedian Mike Larson, guest comedian Chris Cohen, tonight's contestants, improv comedian Angie Haley, and stand-up comedian Nikki Winkleman, guest bottle Basil Hayden Caribbean Reserve Rye. And now, Dino Tripodis. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome, everybody, to Whiskey Business Presents The Premise. Are you ready for a good time tonight? Yes? I am Dino of uh, Four Great Comedians and, uh, that, uh, that Greg Hansberry described earlier, <laughs> Four Great Comedians and Dino. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. For those of you who are here for the very first time, let me explain to you what's going to happen this evening with The Premise very quickly. The premise will consist of two great comedic performers. This evening, two lovely ladies, Nikki Winkleman and Angie Healy, will be sitting at this writer's table at some point. And we've actually, things have improved so much since the last two podcasts here. They now actually have light where they can see what they're writing. It's lovely. But some things have stayed the same. There are uh, two pads of paper, uh, a tin full of number two pencils, one donut, and one glass of water for two comedians, which I will explain. John Whitney, give John Whitney a nice round of applause, please. John Whitney is the creator of the premise and also an asshole. That's his rule right there as well. So we must get that in each and every podcast that John Whitney is an asshole. So yes, when we will meet our contestants, they will have previously selected which premise they will get. They don't know, the envelopes are up here. They will be handed those premises, and then they'll have 20 minutes to write three to five minutes of stand-up material. They will come back up here on stage and perform it for you, the upfront stage audience, and then you decide their fate. Who will be the winner? Yes? You got it? So, yeah, a brave task for those two ladies coming up a little bit later. Also, our very special uh, guest panelist, Mr. Mike Larson, is here tonight. Give Mike Larson a round of applause. And Chris Cohen will be up here as a special guest comedian as well. Uh, the bourbon babble for this evening, the running theme that we seem to have in each one of these podcasts uh, tonight, and I see a, a varied amount of ages in the audience, which is good, because tonight's running theme will be, what is it in life, no matter what age you are, that you still haven't figured out, that you still scratch your head and wonder about and go, huh, I haven't got a handle on it quite yet. At 60 years of age, I will admit the very first one, the most predominant one in my life, would have to be women. <laughs> women. I cannot figure them out. They say the older you get, the wiser you get. Bullshit. You get older, you drink Budweiser, and then try to figure that shit out. Because women especially, I mean, just when I think I've got you figured out, you change the game on us. I'll give you an example of what I speak of. Why is it, ladies? If you, if you have a, a bad dream about us, your significant other, you will hold us responsible for said bad dream despite the fact that it came out of your crazy subconscious. I wake up on a Saturday morning happy as a clam. I get smacked upside the head you're an asshole. I go, why, what did I do? She goes, I had, I had a dream last night you had sex with my sister. 
Now, what I should have said is, honey, that's ridiculous. What came out of my mouth was, wow, I didn't even think your sister liked me. <laughs> still can't figure it out. At 60 years of age, I still can't figure out fantasy football. Oh, everybody was going crazy over fantasy football, getting their teams together, doing research, trying to put together the perfect team for their fantasy football team, going over statistics and players, and so then groaning and moaning when things would happen in the first week. I don't get it. I can't wrap my head around it. To me, fantasy football is my girlfriend saying, honey, you can watch football all weekend long, and I'm just going to be here walking around naked and making you sandwiches. <laughs> to me, that's fantasy football right there. Yeah, 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 right there. And that's kind of close to what actually happens in, in my world, except it's a little bit different. Uh, it's the other way around. It's more like her saying to me, wow, this is what you're going to do all weekend? Lay around naked and watch football and eat sandwiches? I'm like, no. I might order a pizza, <laughs> but you'll have to get the door. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure out even stupid grammatical things in my life. I'm still trying to figure out the proper time to use the word lie and lay, grammatically speaking. Oh, some, gra oh, some grammar people. It's important. In business, I'm sure. In business, I'm sure it's important to use the proper tense. I think... I think it has to do with the subject at hand. I think, I think it would be, I need to lay this drink on the coffee table. I think it's, I was feeling dizzy, so I decided to lie down on the couch. While I was on the couch, she decided to lie down with me. Then I got laid. <laughs> and in the morning, I had to lie in order to get out of there at a reasonable time. I think somewhere in there is the actual grammatical truth. Am I right? Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready for the premise? Tell me yes. Here we go. Oh, back to the table. There we go. All right. Thank you, Chip. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Like I mentioned, Chris Cohen and the ladies, Nikki Winkleman and Angie Healy, coming up to the stage in just a little bit. For those of you who are regular fans of Whiskey Business, you know that we always have a guest bottle on the show. And tonight, even though it is the premise, it is still technically Whiskey Business. And I purposely took this cork off, there we go, so it wouldn't be hard to put back on. This is, for those of you in the whiskey know, and the wanna know, this is Basil Hayden's Caribbean Rye Whiskey. 80 proof, it is a combination of eight-year-old Kentucky straight rye whiskey and four-year-old Canadian whiskey mixed together with an addition of some black strap rum, which ties the two ryes together in a delightfully pleasant, look at that color, you can see that. Also, uh, 
aged in in uh, in rum casks as well. So uh, this goes for about forty-five dollars a bottle, and it's eighty proof. It's not going to mess you up, and it is delicious. What are you taking a picture of, Chip? Me drinking the good stuff. There's about 5,000 pictures of those of me drinking something. Uh, thanks for adding another one to the mix. But uh, if you guys want to pick this up, uh, we at Whiskey Business enjoy bottles that are under 50 bucks a bottle, and this one qualifies at about 45 bucks a bottle. So I will share that with my guests. Also, tonight, the winner of the premise this evening will win a good bottle of whiskey. Maker's Mark for hitting the mark. Yes, to the winner. And to the loser, a shitty bottle of whiskey. From the lower shelf, Benchmark, old number eight brand. As you can see, they've tried to emulate the old Jack Daniels black label. They can't use old number seven. They went with number eight because number eight is pretty great too, right? This one goes for $9.44 a bottle. Uh, so the loser will get the benchmark bottle of whiskey. And I'm happy to say the last two premises, we've had something from the lovely LP collection. And tonight is no exception. I thought since the two ladies were competing that one of them should be able to take home this lovely. It even says right here, this record can be played on a stereo phonograph. It says that. This is Italian songs Mama Never Taught Me. The Damara Sisters, right there, for the loser, featuring great songs like Luna Mez, La Samba, and my favorite, Comi Faceri Mametta, which means, in Italian, I can't believe they let these two women record an album. <laughs> so the Damara Sisters, right there, for the loser of tonight's competition, who I think, if they lose, they kind of win, right? <laughs> yeah. Italian songs, Mama Never Taught Me Because They Suck. All right. Okay, good. Are you guys ready for our special guest panelists this evening? <laughs> I also want to thank uh, Gil Whitney from Whitney HD Productions. Uh, he has provided some of the production services, the lovely camera that is recording all this nonsense this evening. So thank you to Gil Whitney very much. Uh, for providing the cameras this evening that will be on the lovely YouTube channel that Greg Hansberry mentioned earlier this evening. You can catch all this stuff on YouTube recorded by the uh, incredible John Whitney. So check that out on YouTube as well. Our first guest tonight, you may have seen him over the years on The Tonight Show, on HBO, on Showtime. He's also a very, very talented writer and has written on so many sitcoms. We'll probably talk about some of the night. I've lost track of his resume in that respect. He was also on our podcast on Whiskey Business not too long ago. That one's entitled, I Had to Follow Robin Williams, which as a comedian, he did. And tonight, he has to follow nobody except, you know, four great comedians in Dino. So please welcome Mike Larson, everybody. Mike Larson. Hey, buddy, thank you so much. Come on, slide over there. You've already got a drink in your hand, but I was going to pour you some of the some of the good stuff as well. That's 
Mike Larson is with us tonight. And let me ask you that very thematic question for this evening, my friend. Is there anything? How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Pardon me? How old are you? Uh, 59, 59, which is why I didn't hear you when you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything at 59 <laughs> years of age that you haven't quite figured out yet? Oh, God, yes. I'd say the biggest one is I still haven't figured out that because a little bit of whiskey makes me a little bit happy, a lot of whiskey is not going to make me a lot happy. Yeah. Every night I have that problem, it seems. We keep thinking you're doing the math wrong. I keep thinking, God, one couple more of these drinks, I'm going to be the happiest I've ever been. Did you? Are you a big drinker as a, as, as a rule? Uh, not really. Uh, when they say, you know, Mike Larson is fill in the blank, a big drinker. A uh, drug addict, a good father, uh, an <laughs> idiot. And I mean, if they said something about your character, Mike Larson is. Well, if those are my four choices, I'll go with father. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're a dad. Yeah, I'm a dad. Um, no, I, I do like uh, whiskey, so I do drink. And I, uh, you know what, though? I've never been a, um, like someone who goes out with friends and, and drinks. Mostly because I don't want to kill someone on the way home. You know, uh, so uh, instead, I'm more like someone who sits at home and watches the basketball game and and drinks alone. And my wife thinks that's pretty pathetic. But I tell her, I think, it, I think it's pretty pathetic that I am. I, well, I believe in the philosophy that you should be your own best friend. And that way, I always have a drinking partner. Yeah. Sounds like something I would write before I kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Something right before you crossed it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you not like being? Uh, so I mean, you said you know I don't want to be out and then maybe kill somebody on the way home. Well, that's that's pretty dramatic. That's pretty serious. But don't you enjoy the 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 socialization part of it? That is, you know, sitting down with a friend and having a cocktail, oh, yeah, with friends, sure, swapping yeah. stories, yep. and remember that time. I mean, you can't do that when you're by yourself. You can't look at yourself and go, remember that time? Oh, yeah, I, I'm me. I was there. Uh, yeah, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I only moved to Columbus uh, about two years ago. So I don't have, like, a wide range of friends, uh, you know, the comics that I've met right. since I've been here. So more and more I'm going out. But for a while there, it was like... Nothing. <laughs> I just don't know that many people, you know. And we talked about this on the podcast. You moved back because your wife wanted to kind of move back. Well, my wife's family's from here. My daughter wanted to uh, go to school with her cousins. Um, but also my career had just changed. I, 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 uh, after, you know, 20 years working on television shows and having going into the studio, the last five years all of my work has been freelance stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go into the studio. So it's like, why am I... Pay in California money when I can go out and have a nicer piece of land and we got chickens and I mean I, Do I you? love it out here. You have chickens? Yeah. You get yeah. your own eggs? We get eggs every morning. Yeah. yeah. You, you, uh, oh, I love the chickens. <laughs> I, 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 I do also drink with the chickens, so I'm not completely so alone. You're not alone. I do. The chickens appreciate it. Yeah. What was the first time the uh, the first time you actually went out and got eggs from the chickens. I mean, did oh, you, it's did like you, magic. Yeah. For one thing, it's amazing. I don't even have chickens here. It's it's uh, right that, that that they make one of those every day almost is crazy. I mean, it's this complex thing that they make. I I am I am amazed by it. Now I don't. They're not like meat chickens, so I don't eat them. Uh, the the raccoons and coyotes do that. Uh -huh, uh, sure. 
But no, I love. Although I just, when I first got them, my brother-in-law said, "You know, you raise chickens, you get free eggs every morning." But there's so much. I mean, after buying the hen house and then the protective fence and the food and the scratch and and it, it's like fourteen bucks an egg. I figured. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they're good. They're good eggs. They're good. Better for yeah, you, right? They're expensive eggs. Yeah. How do you think the chickens feel? They love me. They love me, but you know, every day they're putting out a, every day they're putting out an egg, and potentially, are, there, are you think are they thinking at any point like, well, okay, this is gonna be my little chicky, and oh, that's yeah, some of a bitch well, is taking them and frying them up. Well, you Here know, I one go again. thing that happens, I'll try again tomorrow. One thing that happens with chickens is that every now and then you get one that they call uh, is broody, and it wants to hatch the egg, so it sits on it all day. Right, and it ain't hatching. There's no rooster. It's not hatching. So they'll just sit on it forever, and you got to constantly pull it out and then take the egg, and they do kind of look at you like, fuck you, man, <laughs> that's my egg. <laughs> you know. Let go my egg. But <laughs> hey, top of the food chain. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. <laughs> so chicken, so did you ever think in a million years you'd go from the bright lights of Hollywood to... Pulling out eggs from chickens' asses and calling that a life? First off, Dino, we need to talk a little bit about biology. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're lifting the chicken's ass up, <laughs> is what I meant. I don't mean you actually go in and pull the egg <laughs> yeah. out of the chicken's ass. I mean, long, yeah. Like a long horse glove, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Unless they're really, really, really stubborn chickens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to give up the egg. But uh, so... Go, uh, you, know, you mentioned the whiskey, not being able to figure that out, you know, the, the whiskey part of it. Yeah. What else at, at 59 that years of age? I have not age. been able to figure out. Um, How long have you been married? Um, this time I've been married 17 years. So this is a... Second marriage. Second marriage. Yeah. The first one was seven years. Okay. Yeah. So seven years is, and by today's standards, I think is a, is a decent shot at it. What the... What made it go belly up after seven? Really? That's what you want to talk about? <laughs> shitty marriages? The shitty marriages. Right, you know, over the course of a cocktail? Now, honestly, you know what? That first time around, uh, while I wasn't technically young, I think I was immature. And you know, that one of the things where they say you marry your best friend, yeah. and then you realize that, you know, Carl's my best friend. I didn't marry him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, and it, it just, you know, but I was just, I'm a comedian. I'm an idiot. Uh, so yeah, what, so what makes it, one of them goes seven years, but one goes 17 years. And obviously that's the successful one. So what's the secret to 17 years of happy marriage? Uh, I didn't say it was 17 years of happy marriage. <laughs> I said it was 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a journey. No, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's. Fine, it's mm -hmm. great, you know, but uh, no, it is, you know, and people always say it's work, and, and I know, I mean, I, I, I tend to blame myself for everything, so. Uh, Why? Yeah. Why do I'm we a, do that? Because I'm a comedian. Why do we or do no, that? Or no, maybe I'm a comedian because I do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do we do that? I mean, we, I, don't I, know. I, I suffer from the same thing. You know, I blame myself for everything. Years ago, I was at a party in, uh, in New York, and a bunch of comedians, and, and some of my like idols were there, and all these comics that I knew were there, and I was kind of in the corner being stupid, shy, or whatever, and uh, I, Dana Gould was there, and I told Dana, I was like, 
God, it just sucks. I, 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 I kind of get anxiety when I'm in a room. And Dana's like, of course you do, stupid. You're a comedian. We all do. And it was like, it, it like opened up the whole world to me. That before that, I really thought that I was the only one who like questioned myself. You know, and it's like, why do you think we do this? Is that well, why that we do it? Is that why we do stand up? Because we're anxiety ridden individuals who go up on stage and. Oh, it's so much easier talking at people than to people, right? I mean, it's so much easier being in front of an audience and, and telling your stories and no one, you know. Uh -huh. I don't know. This is getting a lot deeper than I expected it to get. I never really know what rabbit holes we're going to yeah. go down, man, because yeah. I have a whole podcast with you talking about the career and stuff, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh -huh. the, the title of his podcast, as I said before, was I, I had to follow Robin Williams. And what that uh, entails was that you actually had to, on your first open mic, follow right. Robin Williams. My very first time on stage. First time on stage. Why that didn't just <laughs> throw you to the depths of depression and, and like, fuck this. I'm well, like I told you, that, that, that night, the reason it didn't end my career is because the MC of, the, of the, that night, who happened to be Dana Carvey, who was just a local San Francisco guy at the time, uh, made me promise. Before I went on, he said, you're going to suck. You are going to suck so hard tonight. <laughs> he was like, joyous. Yo. <laughs> But you got to promise me you'll stick with this for six months. Six months, every chance you get, go on stage and then quit if you want to quit. But don't quit tonight. And so I was like, all right. So that's that's really why I think I would have. How much time did you do after Robin Williams? Uh, maybe five minutes. And how much know. time did Robin Williams do in front of you? Fifty. He showed <laughs> up at midnight. <laughs> you know, it's funny when Robin uh, when Robin died a few years ago. Um, went to an event and we were all you know a bunch of people up there we were talking about rob and i didn't know him well other people did and uh they're all talking and i was like i'm sorry guys but when i hear all these stories it's like robin was always a nice guy that's not the guy i remember i remember him i mean he was nice to people but he was a guy who would drop into a club at midnight and not care who else was on the bill and do an hour you know, mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's who that's but it was, you know, and that's how you judged him as that uh, as being the type of guy. Yeah, he was, because was my first uh, time uh, the, 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 on stage. He went on before me, you know, despite and the, then, all the I good. Think I he told you, get, yeah, I brought a well, what stupid, uh, I mean, you know, uh, my very first this. time on stage. So there's a girl I'm trying to impress. So I br invite her to come with my friend. And while I'm on stage, I look down and they're holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> you got the twofer. Right, right. <laughs> but no, but Dana was absolutely right, man. It would never be that bad again. It would never, ever be that bad. If you can do this, you can do anything. And I you think did. In, in everything in life, right. It's like if something sucks, hey, look at that as an opportunity. How did you go from doing the stand-up into the the writing gig? Because you've got a, a serious list of shows that you have worked on as either mm -hmm. a writer or a, a, a producer or right. whatever the case may be. And 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 uh, Drew Carey, Drew Carey, Ellen, Ellen, uh, two guys and a girl, two guys and a girl in a pizza place with Ryan Reynolds, a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire was my very first show with Brett Butler, yeah. right? With, with yeah yeah with oh why you oh 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 oh
monster. Horrible. Horrible person. I remember being on the road and hearing horror stories oh, about God. her in stand-up yeah, clubs. Oh, horrible. She was mean and a heroin addict, and those were her two good qualities. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, to the point, no, I had just gotten, I was going through a divorce, my very first job. And uh, the first day she came in and she said, hey, Larson, you're the new guy. Um, hey, look, go, look at my tits. I got my tits done this summer. And, you know, go ahead and touch them. They feel real. And I was like, oh, my dad said never touch the boss's tits. Uh, you know? <laughs> but, but I thought nothing of it. It's like, oh, they're hazing the new guy. I'm fine. I mean, that's, you know, when you're a comic on the road, sure. the headliner's always doing something like that. No big deal. But then it just got great. Crazy, like crazy. Like she went into my office and stole my wallet. She took my car keys. Um, Wait, this is the star of the show. Oh, she was. She didn't need to steal your wallet. She didn't need to steal your car. Nor did she need me to have sex with her. There's plenty of people that would want to do that for her. Did you have sex with her? No. It's funny. All my friends are like, what are you going on? You're you're single now? And it's like, but it was like, I was like 36. I finally got my first writing job. You know, I worked. You know, from the time I first started doing stand-up, that was the goal, to either get your own sitcom or to write on a sitcom, sure. you know? And I finally got it. It's like, hey, I'm not going to be known as the guy who, you know, screwed the star or claimed sexual harassment or something, you know? I just wanted, and I kept saying, Brett, man, this is, let me do my job, man. I just want to do my job. Did oh, she, it was, did, did she want to sleep with you? Oh, it was horrible. I mean, she would come by my house at like four in the morning and knock on the door. And want to sleep with you? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Is well, that yeah, what fuck I mean, means? Yeah, That's I, what she yeah, would talk. Yeah, she didn't say sleep yeah, with. Yeah, well, no. Nobody uh, knocks on your door yeah. at four o'clock in the morning wanting to talk. Oh, come on, Larson. <laughs> okay. I'm going to rock your world. And, you know, and, and also, just, you know, she has that weird Elvis voice, right. you know, for like a woman. Um, <laughs> but no, to the point that the final week that I worked for the show, she had a bodyguard. Uh, that that was mostly to protect people from her being hurt by her, you know? Yeah. Um, so the final week of the show, I, I lived about two blocks from the uh, studio. I'd walk to work every day. And I go out one morning, and uh, Jimmy, the guy, the security guy, is in front of my house. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? He said, uh, for this week, I'm going to hang out with you. And I was like, what? What? And he said, well, there was a threat, and Brett does have a gun, so I was like, okay. So no, it was horrible. Wow. It was yeah. And the but show and the show was, was a, the sh- and the show was a hit initially. Th- that yes, the show was a huge hit when it first started and that year too it was and then the following year after I left, um not not because of me but because Brett just went down the rabbit hole Self-destructed, and it just yeah. got horrible. But no, it's you know as a comic, that's all you want and I like some of my best friends got shows. You know, like, like Ray Romano got a show, and I, I was so happy for a friend who got a show, you right. know? And so when a comic gets a show, and then they they mess it up, it just makes you mad, right? you know? It's like, God, I wanted a show. But Brett wasn't really a friend, was she? No, 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 no I didn't the, know her the, from the, yeah. stand-up at all. Ray Romano. But she was a good stand-up, yeah, you she know? Was good, but I heard horror stories on the oh, road, I know. too, you know? Yeah. This, the, yeah. I, I worked with her once as an opening act, but I had no interaction with her whatsoever. She didn't want anything to to do with the opener at, at that point. Just yeah, and you know, and I've written about this uh, a number of times for, you know, and people talk about sexual harassment or whatever. It has nothing to do with being attractive or whatever. It's all about power. She knew I was going through a divorce. She knew that the showrunner 
brought me on the show because he personally liked my writing and it Mm -hmm. was a way of getting at him. You know, it was all that. It wasn't, you know, you know, maybe initially it's flattering when someone says, hey, touch my tits, you know, but <laughs> no, it was just creepy. And that's how I know as a man, I don't it's, know it's weird p- enough be- because I, I could ultimately, if I had to, I could overpower her. But um, <laughs> that's what's going through your mind. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know where it's going. If, if I have to, I can take her. I don't know where it's going. No, it was weird. It was very, I never, ever in a million years thought I would ever have to deal with something like that. Uh, uh, let me ask you one more question. Yeah. Speaking of, of the ladies, uh, you, so you your first gig is with Brett Butler, and then you get to work with uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen. Who, who seems to be still, as we speak, America's uh, Everybody Loves Ellen. She's awesome. Yeah? In fact, she told me in the interview when I entered for the job, she said, I promise I will never sexually harass you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm coming. You got me. Yeah, (laughs) Ellen was, oh, my God, talk about night and day. Ellen not only was, you know, she's a very serious business person. I mean, people, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people who have personality issues with her because she's so driven. But uh, on a show night, you know, you shoot in front of a studio audience and, you know, you do five takes of each scene and you'd be running in in between takes to give them a new line. And that's hard as it is. Ellen never, the entire season, never... Forgot a line. She was, I mean, we had Emma Thompson did an episode with Ellen, and Emma would four or five times say, sorry, line. And then she's like, what is this? This, this woman is a robot. How does she never blow a line? But no, Ellen was just incredible. She was awesome. So yeah. night and day as far as a, wor- a working relationship. And most people I worked with, and Drew Carey's the nicest man on earth. We and talked Ryan about Reynolds we and talked all these about guys. Drew on the podcast. Most people I have found that I worked with in in television were super grateful that they were there, and they realized that they didn't deserve it. You know, it's it, it, it. They got a ticket, and they're making the best of it. You know, which is kind of how I always felt in mm-hmm. everything I do, whether it's stand up or whatever. I always felt like, hey, wh- why do I get to have a career where? I don't have to work. <laughs> you know, I get <laughs> yeah, to right. write jokes and yeah. make people laugh. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and, and I think most people in comedy, and you probably feel the same way that I've met, are that way. But then there sure. are those, that handful There's that you're like, if you're not having fun doing this, you are not doing it right. I could probably count on one hand experiences in, in my world of stand-up and, and entertainment that of people who I just seriously... Just they were bad people right. that they said or did bad things, right. and the, for lack of a better description, dead to me because they were uh, a cancer on my on, on my life Absolutely. at that particular time. And I could see where you understand. So, did one last question before we go and introduce our, our guest our our competitors this evening. Do you feel confident that as Mike Larson, comedian writer, as you move from California all the way back here to Ohio and pulling eggs out of chickens' asses and so forth and so on. Uh, do you feel that you have successfully not burned any of those bridges? Do you think that people that you work with in that industry that you had so much respect for are saying the same thing about, I work with Mike, Mike Larson, and he's a... Yeah, I think the ones who remember me, Sam mm-hmm. nice. I, I work my ass off. I'm a blue-collar kid. I was the first... You know, I grew up in a big family, the first one to go to college, so I, I grew up... I remember my dad telling me in eighth grade, he's like, uh, uh, he used to say, there's no Larson bump. 
<laughs> it's like there's no Larson. You're never going to get anything because you're a Larson. You're <laughs> never going to walk into an interview and go, oh, <laughs> you're one of the Larson boys. <laughs> no, it's all on you. It's all and on which you. Which is really just good advice. And, and, and he was wrong. There were pe- he had a, people loved him, you know, but. But no, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying I have I haven't pissed people off or occasionally burned a bridge here and there. In fact, I'll tell you really quickly. I used to have a girlfriend that whenever I would get like kind of angry and I'd be talking on the phone to a, my agent or someone and I'd be angry, she'd come down and say, "Is that a bridge I smell burning?" <laughs> 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 so it was always like, "Okay, yeah, let's not." That. <laughs> Mike Larson, you can hear him on Whiskey Business. The podcast title is uh, I Had to Follow Robin Williams. It's an hour-long conversation with this very entertaining and great, just filled with great stories guy who's amongst us now here in Central Ohio. So give Mike Larson a nice round of applause, and thank, thank you so you. much, buddy. Thank you. So Thanks, don't go man. anywhere. You're staying right oh, here. I'm staying here. Oh, you, okay. get the, you, get the, you get to stay right here because we're going to meet our competitors right now. Oh, Are you ready for that? Yeah. Are you ready to meet our competition for this evening? I swear to God, we've done this two times before, ladies and gentlemen. I swear to God. All right. Are you ready to meet our competitors for this evening? First up, you can see her actually tomorrow. She runs a monthly show at the Two Truths Bar with uh, Brooke Cardis. It's a comedy show, which uh, will be back there tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. But we got her here on stage this evening. Please welcome Angie Healy, everybody. Angie Healy. Angie, there's Angie, competing against Angie this evening, a shadow box favorite, and we've had her here on the uh, premise before as a guest comedian, but she said she wanted to compete on October, on October 29th, her show, Bad Listener, a one mannequin show, and there is a mannequin involved, yeah, we'll be here right here on the shadow box stage on October the 29th, please welcome Nikki Winkleman, everybody, Nikki Winkleman. Ladies, backstage before the show started, we flipped a coin, and Angie got the flip first. Nikki will flip second to see who actually performs first or second. But Angie won the toss, and you picked premise. Come over here, Angie, if you don't mind. You picked premise number one. one. So open up the premise and tell them what the premise is. The premise is relationships. Uh, all right. Angie gets relationships. <laughs> 20 minutes to write three to five minutes on relationships. And Nikki Winkleman, open up your premise, please. Okay. I got premise number two, parents. Perfect. I am one. Ah, all right. <laughs> so they both have 20 minutes now to write three to five minutes of stand-up material based on the premise of one, relationships, and two, parents. Anything in those parameters that their minds come up with. There's two pads of paper, there's number two pencils, you have 20 minutes, you'll hear a buzzer go off when it's all said and done, fight over the donut, share the water, give them a round of applause and wish them the best of luck, everybody. Our guest comedian for this evening, while the ladies toil away, is a very good friend of mine who I've had the pleasure of working with 
a lot over the last few years. Um, I'll be working with them again, I think, on the great debate coming up in November, Ohio State versus Michigan. And Mike Larson, you're doing the great debate. Yeah. Grab your mic there for a second. You're doing the great right. debate as well this year, right? Yeah, I'm supposed to pretend to be a Michigan fan. You guys pretend to be a Michigan yeah. fan? Yeah. Uh, that's okay. It's a great debate. It's a lot of fun. It's at the McCoy Center uh, <laughs> out in Hilliard. And you can check... Uh, I don't know what you can check, but it's, it's, it's available. <laughs> GreatDebate.com, I'm not sure, but uh, it sells out every year. But uh, it's a pleasure to have our special guest comedian for tonight. You can follow him and everywhere he might be at ChrisCohenComedy.com. How about a nice round of applause for your special guest comedian, Mr. Chris Cohen, everybody. I'm off. I'm on. Am I on? I'm on. All right. Fantastic. Sorry, I'm nervous about you guys pulling eggs out of my ass. So I just, uh, <laughs> I'm not used to performing with people behind me, with livestock experience especially. So that's, <laughs> in fairness to Dino, I thought women peed out of their butts till I was 27 years old. So I, I will, I'll give you a pass on the chickens. It's fair. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm happy to be here, everybody. Um... Uh, not because of comedy, but because I have two kids under five, so I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> it's like, just get me the fuck out of the house. <laughs> it's like, that's all I want. Like, terrorists could walk in right now and be like, we're taking hostages. I'd be like, will you play wheels on the bus? They would say, no, I'd say shotgun. <laughs> like, not first in the seat, like, literally put a shotgun in my mouth, just no wheels on the bus. So I'm cool with that. That would be awesome. I had to plan for my daughter's birthday party. That was fun. You guys ever plan for a one-year-old's birthday party? The women are clapping. The men are just staring with PTSD. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me. I went to Giant Eagle. Uh, my wife told me to get three cases of beer and three gallons of ice cream. Uh, so I did, and I was checking out. I had 90 beers because I bought 30 packs because I know how to party. And... Uh, three gallons of ice cream, and she looked at me and goes, oh, are you having some kind of party? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to have the funnest suicide ever. It's going to be... <laughs> you're you're going to find my dairy-coated, bloated corpse in the front yard, butt naked. It's going to be... <laughs> well, he died doing what he loved. It'll be great. So It's a good time. Uh, I'm getting older now. Uh, that's not fun, so sometimes people can't relate to things. Uh... I'll, I'll tell you, sorry about my childhood. Some of you may relate, some of you may not. Uh, did anybody grow up, grow up in a religious household? Anybody? Everyone worships Satan. All right, that's cool. Let's <laughs> see, I, I can get a lot dirtier now. That's cool. I know what I'm working with. That's fun. Uh, I grew up in a religious household, and my mom tried to take away all my fun stuff, right? So I got Dungeons and Dragons, and she threw it in the trash. Uh, I got Ozzy Osbourne Live and Loud double cassette tape. Threw it away, right? So I had nothing left to do. So at the age of 15, I kept trying to vandalize shit, get drunk, and get laid. So that backfired, Mom. So if my kid plays Dungeons & Dragons, I'm going to buy him the Dungeon Master's Guide because I know what happened to me. My mom even tried at one point to get me a religious video game. Uh, on Nintendo, there was a game that came out in the late 80s. Did anybody ever play the game Bible Adventures? Nobody's heard of this game. Yeah, this is what I got for my birthday one year. This is why I am like how I am now. <laughs> it was like light blue. It didn't even really fit in the like Nintendo very well. You had to like shove it in sideways. It was awful. 
And uh, one of the things about the game is you would play as different Bible characters and you would run around doing Bible stuff. Like my favorite board <laughs> is you would be Noah and you would have to literally overhead toss cows into the ark. <laughs> that was like <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm pretty sure that's not how that shit went down. <laughs> Noah's one arm and lions into the old ark there. The best part about the game, though, is that uh, they would put Bible verses on these little stone tablets, uh, except for like one out of three, instead of being a Bible verse, it was a game tip, but it was written as though it were a Bible verse. <laughs> so, but like, holding B while running will cause thou to sprint. <laughs> is that Leviticus? I don't remember that, because that would have been a lot cooler. <laughs> the worst part about Bible adventures, though, is that uh, you couldn't play as Jesus, right? If you're going to play a Bible game, you should at least be the Son of God. Uh, but then I thought about that would be lame, because if you played as Jesus and your game was over, you'd have to wait three days before they'd let you play again. So that would, <laughs> so that would suck, but what are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, I have career goals. Uh, well, I used to. I'm 40 now. I don't have any goals. <laughs> I just gave up. I'm done. But when I was younger, I had career goals. Uh, my goal uh, now, unofficially, I guess, is to be a stand-up comedian. Judging by your reactions, that's another three decades away at this point. That's cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, uh, when I was younger, I had written down three career goals at the age of seven. I wanted to be three things. I wanted to be president of the United States, a robot inventor, or a ninja. That's some cool shit, right? Now I want to be a stand-up comic and kind of see where this shit train's going. <laughs> Basically what I'm saying is the age of 50, you're going to see me running the scrambler at your local county fair. <laughs> you guys can probably see me now all bald, smoking a cigarette, being like, hey, you kids quit pushing. <laughs> Some of you went to the Franklin County Fair this summer, I see. That's cool. Uh, if you see a guy that looks like me, but with less teeth and more meth, that's my uncle. Uh, <laughs> he'll give you a free scrambler ride if you name drop me, so just keep that in your back pocket right there. We're doing a whiskey podcast, so let's talk about drinking. I like to do that. Uh, I like to drink, uh, but one thing I have learned from being arrested seven times is that cops don't like me drunk as much as I like to be drunk. <laughs> I was outside this college party one time and I was having a cigarette and a cop came up and he's like, I'm gonna bust everybody in this party and charge them. And I was like, I don't give a shit, it's not my party. He got really upset and he called for backup. He's like, do you know what the penalty for a misdemeanor is in the state of Ohio? And I said, yes sir, I do. It's six months in jail, thousand dollar fine or both. He said, what are you, a pre-law major? I said, no officer, but I have been convicted of three fucking misdemeanors. <laughs> Started taking notes after the second one. <laughs> I'll give you a little PSA also. Uh, do not drive drunk, whatever you do. Uh, if you are, we have options now. We have Uber, we have Lyft, or uh, my favorite option is uh, wait until you leave and pull out right behind you so you can draw them off my scent. That would be good. <laughs> That's my favorite method of driving drunk. Uh, I seriously don't drive drunk anymore because the last time I did, I was so drunk, uh, I ran over a dude. Yeah. In my defense, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, so he's probably up to no good anyway, right? <laughs> of course, in his defense, he was in his bedroom when I plowed in the side of his house. So. 
He's still got one good leg. It's all rainbows. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's dead. Let's move on. <laughs> I'll leave you on this, and we'll get, we'll get into the fun stuff here with the panel. Uh, have you guys ever been really drunk and seen something so messed up it sobered you up instantly? Can you act like it has that would help me out a little bit right now? Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thanks for your fake agreement. Apparently, everyone out of the Tuesday at 9 p.m. has never been drunk before. All right, that's it. That's a first. Uh, I got really drunk one time, and I had a DD, which was weird for me at the time of my life. Uh, and I didn't know this guy, but he was a friend of a friend of a friend, and he was this really strange guy. He was about six foot three, uh, 350 pounds, had the lazy eye, didn't speak like a serial killer, just staring at the whole room without moving his head at the whole time, the whole night. <laughs> just not talking for like three and a half hours, didn't say a word, right? Kind of creeping everybody out, but he was going to drive, so he was cool. So we're driving, <laughs> and we pulled off because the guy had his blinkers on, and we're trying to assess the situation. Does he need a tire change or what? The reason why the guy in front of us had pulled off is because he had hit a deer, and the deer was still alive, but it was flopping around in the snow because it had two broken legs. And I'm trying to process all this in my drunken brain, and my driver gets out, and he stands over top of the deer, and the first thing he said all night is, well, there's only one thing to do. And well, holy shit, he's going to shoot this deer right in the side of the road, but I was wrong. <laughs> Instead, I watched with my drunken eyes as he tackled the deer in the snow. He slapped it in a rear naked chokehold, and on the third twist, he broke the deer's neck, killing it instantly. I was sober as shit right there. <laughs> we got back in the car real quiet. And uh, we're pulling down the road, and the guy in the back seat uh, that had invited this maniac in the first place, who weighed about 120 pounds soaking wet, he had to pipe up, and he was all emotional. He's like, hey, man, why'd you have to go and kill that deer for? I was like, I'd probably shut the fuck up right now if I was the <laughs> I could just see later at night, like, oh, man, I rolled my ankle. He'd be like, well, there's only one thing to do. <laughs> all right, that's it Chris for me. Chris Cohen, everybody. Have a seat, my friend. I got you one port already. Look at that. Chris Cohen, one more time for Chris, everybody. The ladies will be coming up here in about 10 minutes with their competitive task at hand. Welcome. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for having nice me. Nice to have you. Um, you mentioned being older. I mean, do you read uh, and, and I always, I personally <laughs> laugh. When I when I hear you guys saying I'm I'm getting old because you know I started doing stand up in my 30s and and I remember doing jokes about being 40 and 50 and I'm kind of curious as to compare notes as to where we are where I was at 40 and where you are at 40 I was nowhere close to where <laughs> your life is how many kids do you have two two and how yeah. old are they uh, they're four and one and a half. Four and one and a half at 40 yep. years of age. Yep. I was 36 when my daughter was born, and now I'm 75 years old. <laughs> exactly, right? Now, was that the plan? Or, <laughs> or there was, you know, did, you, did you sit down with your beloved and said, let's have two children? No, honeymoon baby. Ah. Don't do that. Don't ever have a honeymoon baby. No. It's funny because when my wife told me she was pregnant, my first reaction was, holy shit, my life's over. And I was like, oh, wait, I waited until I was married. And then I was like, wait, holy shit, my life's over. <laughs> 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 I had like a double take of that. So, so with it, I'm sorry, boys, girls? Uh, the boy is the younger one, and my daughter is the older one. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I have a daughter, so I'm... I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no I'm sorry for you as well. So, but but I'm, I'm obviously partial to 
my my daughter i i don't do you, do you like having a son are you excited about having a son or are you uh, or are you looking at your life and going oh boy i i heard this someone say this once and it's not my line but someone said when you have a daughter you worry about what people will, will do to her when you have a son you worry about what he will do to other people mm-hmm. and that's pretty accurate <laughs> yeah right yeah uh my son is just nonverbal and just destroys everything well he's one and a half he's not gonna they, be even compared to my daughter my daughter's like would set things up at one and a half and everything had to be in its place. And my son just comes and rakes it and hangs off the sink. And he uh, stuck his arm in the toilet the other day. He sticks his head in the microwave. It's like, he's like a punk rocker that doesn't speak. (laughs) 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 And shits his pants. Well, punk rockers shit their pants too. So that's about it. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a punk rocker. (laughs) And Mike, how old are your kids? Um... You don't Thir- know. <laughs> Thirteen and thirty-two. Thirteen and th- yeah, we. I hit a dry spell there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a dry spell. But well, I have an, a a my third grandchild that will be, I think tomorrow is probably it's like any day now. Yeah, we wow. talked about that in the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, that due Congrats. date's coming up. Congratulations, Grandpa. I know. I know. Great. Well, right? when you have. Ch- Children when you're young, you have grandchildren when you're young. What yeah. about you? Any more kids for for the Coens in the picture? Not if I have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I said if I have one more, I'm going to do a homemade vasectomy, like how they used to remove teeth. I'm just going to tie a string around the doorknob. And you know what's sad is what little I know about <laughs> you personally. I actually can believe that could happen. If you need so someone I, I to slam s- the door, yeah, call me. Yeah, yeah. Sounds I, like I, I'll do it myself. I, I will do no I can see that happening. Yeah. I can see you wrapping things up and calling it a day. Yeah, just put a rubber band around like a bull. Just wander around in the backyard until they fall off. I'm fine with that at this point. I can. What I don't know about you is is some of the personal stuff. And I don't, what did you do before you started doing stand-up? Drink. Yeah. <laughs> and during, of course, and since. But, no, I... Uh, I uh, I've been in sales somehow. I don't know how. I don't know how I've been not fired from every job. So I uh, I did stand up. Literally, how I got into stand up is my college roommate of three years uh, signed up to do an open mic at the Funny Bone, and I went to watch him. And uh, he got cold feet. He was up next, and he didn't go. And I was just murdering him outside, like, "Oh, you're such a pussy, blah blah." I was just going off, and he's like, "Well, why don't you do it then?" And I was like, if you sign up again, I'll do it. And so he got on, I didn't, and he did all right. And then the first time I got on stage, uh, they were sold out because uh, one of the local radio stations had its DJs on, and they sold out. So the first time I did an official, real five minutes was in front of like 325 people. Oh, wow. Okay, that's not normal. No. For a first time. No. I was really drunk, so I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> and, you didn't have to, and you didn't have to follow Robin Williams. No, that's right. No. Yeah. Uh, no. But doing comedy for 300 people is a lot easier than doing it for 30 you people. You have nailed it 100%. Oh, yeah. I, I right? did a, sh- yeah. a concert show once, and someone said, oh, were you scared performing for 5,000 people? It's like, are you kidding? I performed for five people. 5,000 was <laughs> awesome. 5,000 is easy. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. My fourth month in comedy, the, the headliner no-showed, and to get paid because the bar owner was very angry, he said, you have to do 45 minutes, oh, and there were shit. four people there. Uh. And they said, are you the guy from Zanesville? And I said, I'm from Zanesville, yes. They said, do you work at the bar? And I said, no, that's my roommate from college. And they got up and started to walk out. I was like, please, God, stay. <laughs> Because wow. I have to do 45 minutes, and I had no business doing 10 minutes, and I somehow did 45, and the bar owner handed me money and said, I'll never have comedy again. <laughs> <laughs> and he blamed you? 
I wouldn't my fault. I can't blame yeah, you. No. How does well, he blame you? Well, if you saw my set, you would probably well, blame me too. 40. Anybody, I had any, a private party recently ask me to do an hour and a half, and Oof. I was like, no, you don't want that. And I go, you don't have the material? It's like, it's not about material. Trust me. Trust me. At 30 minutes, I will kill. At 45 minutes, I'll do really good. At an hour, people are looking at their watch. <laughs> an hour dead, people are hating me. Yeah. No, it, it stand-up comedy. I don't care who you are. I mean, you know, George Carlin, you'd see him in concert. He would never do more than 40 minutes. Right. He no. knew. No, you, you, you know, you keep it pure. It's not like yeah. a band where you can just keep doing a riff, you know, in every song. It's, it's always uh, good to, I would think, leave them wanting you would a little right. bit more, right? I mean, yeah. over the years, I've done 45, 50 minutes. Right. I've, I've had those nights where I've gone an hour, but that's only been a night where it was really, I mean, those, those extra 15 minutes were well spent. Yeah. I mean, that was just those magical nights where you know that they're with you. Right. Uh, but I've yeah. never been in a situation where, like, 45 minutes in, I think I want to do 15 minutes more. And I'm not contracting for yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. If it's going great, that's fine. That's fine. More, but when but it's not, not up front, I got to promise that? No, 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 no. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. I've been part of a five-hour comedy show before. Somebody did five hours? No, no, not one person. Uh, but collectively. Yeah, collectively. And four of the people had never done more than three sets in their life. And How the, f the hell does that turn into a five-hour show? Uh, Who books that? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. so funny story. I, uh, I did it, and I was the MC, which meant I was on stage a uh, total of 12 times because he had 11 comics on the show. Oh, my God. And I had to bring the room back. And it was an awful room. And... Uh, Afterwards, he said he wasn't going to pay me, and I was so filled with rage after five hours, I, I double-hand choked the guy, and he weakly pulled out $50, which was the agreed-to fee, and I got paid, and no one else did except for the girl right behind me. So, <laughs> so. And you had a problem with the guy choking out a deer? <laughs> the deer didn't promise him $50, so I just... Uh, the deer didn't sit through a five-hour open oh mic either. God. I didn't tell you that much. I like that you have so many choke moves that one of them is called the double hand choke. The, the double, double hand, hand choke, choke yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You have options. When, when, he's got, when, when a guy's got choke options, <laughs> right. it might not be the, the guy that you want to piss off at some point. So are, are you an angry person by nature? Uh, it takes me a lot to get there. But you're one of those long fuses type yeah. of people, right? Yeah, you're not a short fuse guy? No, not Like, at all. I can't just fucking smack you in the shoulder no. and that's not going to fucking do anything. You just gave anything. me a whiskey. You can slap me right in the face yeah, about I'm not, 12 you know, more times. <laughs> but, because, no, I agree. I'm a long fuse person as well. But once that long fuse has, has you spent enough time letting it burn and you're still in the room, then oh, there's yeah. issues, right? Oh, yeah, it all comes out. I'm like, and in fourth grade, my teacher said I wasn't elaborate on my drawing, you <laughs> son of a like, So that's, it just all comes out. What about you, Larson? You, you a violent man, Mike Larson? Do you have a temper? Oh, the buzzer has sounded. Let's get that last question, then we'll get to the ladies. The buzzers, uh, yes? I, I don't, I, not, I'm, I'm a pussy. Have you been in a fight, Mike Larson? <laughs> Have you ever been in a fight? Yes. Have you ever had actual fisticuffs? Hey, I killed a raccoon with a shovel. Because <laughs> she ate my chicken. That's what gets you. Ate my, you eat my chicken, motherfucker. It's on. <laughs> That's the plot from the newest Rambo, by the way. We just uh, we have, we have spoilers. <laughs> Chris Cohen, Mike Larson, give him a round of applause. Thank you, Chris, so much, man. Oh, so much fun. All right.
Let me go to that mic over here and bring up the ladies. Some music, please. All right. Okay. Welcome back. Come up. All right, Angie, you got to call the toss backstage, so we're going to do the live toss here now. This will determine who gets to go first. And just to refresh your memories, Angie had premise number one, relationship. Nikki had premise number two, parents. So, Nikki, you get to call the toss. She calls heads. It is tails. Once again, Angie wins. So, Angie, you have first right of refusal. You get to decide if you want to go first or second. Uh, I'll go first. Angie will go first, everybody. All right. So, without further ado, and the premise of relationships, after working for 20 minutes on a premise she only got this evening, three to five minutes of stand-up material, a nice round of applause for Angie Healy. Here we go. I appreciate you, Dina, honestly, for uh, having so many vaginas here up with you in this moment. I promise we have not scheduled a free bleed party. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's where you just lay out a yoga mat and you just let your menses collect into a pool together of friendship. That could be a relationship. Oh, wow. Buckle up, Polo. You know what I mean? Get, get ready. Um, I, uh, I feel like, honestly, I've gotten a little bit better at relationships uh, as I've gotten older. I'm 34, uh, and I have been in, in times often a little spiteful and would let things build. Like, I would let annoyances build and not address them. I had a, a partner who just absolutely fucking irritated the shit out of me with the habit of being a drink saver. Do you know what I mean? Like, somebody who was like, there's like six sips of orange juice left in this cup, so I'm gonna put it back in the fridge. <laughs> I went to Taco Bell and didn't finish my Sprite, so I'm gonna put it in the fridge. <laughs> I'm not done with this 0.5 ounces of milk. I don't wanna be wasteful. I'm gonna put it back in the fridge. Every time I opened the fucking fridge, it was like a chance to win a goldfish. It was just <laughs> glasses everywhere. It was so irritating, I hated it so much. And I started to see myself, honestly, I was just like, I am seeing myself in these glasses. It's just like unfinished, neglected relationship pieces that you have shoved in a container and let rot. And I addressed this and I was like, honestly, I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And we got in a big fight about it. And my partner was like, okay, fine, 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 fine. I'll drink them. I'll drink them. I'll drink them. And I was like, honestly, I'm really beginning to see myself in this. And mostly because I peed in them. I just want you to know I peed <laughs> in all of those cups. Uh, that was the end of our <laughs> relationship. Uh, I'm not good at breakups. I'm really not good at breakups. I, um, that same partner, I moved out, moved into a new apartment. Uh, they came to get some of their stuff I had accidentally moved with. And they were like, oh, can I use your bathroom? And I was like, oh, sure. I went upstairs, came downstairs, and I was immediately greeted with a fuck you, asshole. I was like, qual? <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand what I've done. There are two toothbrushes in your bathroom. I was like, fuck yeah, there's two toothbrushes in my bathroom. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to expect somebody to eat my ass all night long and not give them the opportunity for fresh <laughs> breath in the morning. That's just fucking rude. I'm not a monster. You know, like, <laughs> you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I am, uh, as you could probably imagine, uh, a, a, what you would consider a woman who wears comfortable shoes, uh, if you get my meaning. Uh, 
And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I find that like uh, doing dating apps, like lesbian version of Tinder, is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. There are five girls in every photo, and three of them are the same. And you have to determine who it is you're flirting with. It's an asymmetrical haircut, where's Waldo nightmare. You know, I just absolutely hate it. I, uh, I like, like, was talking to a girl on Tinder. I asked her out on a date. She showed up at my house. Nightmare started the night. We were wearing the same fucking shirt from Target. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to change, and then we can go on a walk. Our date was to go on a walk in the woods with my 65-pound husky. He looks like a white Arctic wolf. And she was like, sure, la, 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 let's go. Men do not have that grace. They absolutely do not. There's no way that any woman would go on a fucking walk in the woods with a dude and not be absolutely convinced there's a wood chipper at the end of that trail. You know what I mean? She's like, should I just get in the trunk now? Or, you know, like, what do we, what do we need to do? I <laughs> feel like it's silly. I'm, I am, uh, I'm in a new relationship now, uh, which is, like, fun. It's cool. We do, like, fun stuff, like, like each other still, which is awesome. <laughs> Uh, she does. She has a cat, uh, which I'm not like a particularly big cat person. I find they just they they. What is it about cats? Every time I leave a toothbrush in a house that has a cat, it has more bristles than I started with. I don't. They just leave their hair everywhere. I feel like when you're gone, they just cling their nails in the ceiling like a cartoon Garfield and just put on their best Gloria Estefan and they're like, "Come check about me and that something." And it's horrible. And they're just raining down hair everywhere. And there's hair all in the bed. And I just, like, I desperately, desperately need, like, I think for, the, for this relationship to really work, just one invention. And it would just be the easiest, smoothest thing that could possibly happen. And all I want is, like, a, like a shark vac that you can put on the wall that's, like, explicitly safe for labia. You know? Because otherwise I don't have to do so much of that, like... And she's like, is it the cat? No, it's not the cat. <laughs> it's totally not. I was eating just blades of grass for lunch today. I just uh, didn't uh, get them all out of my teeth in that time. Oh, man. Y'all have been really sweet. My name is Angie Healy. Vote Angie, for either one of us, Angie I guess. Angie Healy. With relationships as her premise. Well done. Have a seat. Yeah, come, come sit over here with us. And then we'll talk to you in just a little bit. After, after we bring up contestant number two. With premise number two, round of applause for Nikki Winkleman and the premise of parents. Thank you, Dino. Thank you. Uh, so I was, on the, I was on the show last month, uh, if you're listening to the podcast or you're in the audience, and I did jokes. And I actually I'm, I am a parent, so I have a lot of jokes about being a parent. So it was very tempting for me to cheat and not write new stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I couldn't remember what jokes I did last time, <laughs> which apparently is because I have mommy brain. I don't know if you know about this, but when you get pregnant, uh, you, they, you get baby brain where uh, you can't remember anything. Um, it's a really cruel thing that your body does. You're like, oh, are you taking care of two people now instead of just yourself? Okay, you're not going to remember uh, anything. It's just really dangerous um, when you're trying to remember to feed yourself. Uh, <laughs> very strange things happen to your body when, when you're pregnant. Um, I went to the dentist while I was pregnant, and I was like, hey, my, uh, my gums have been bleeding more than usual. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's because you're pregnant. What? <laughs> what? What happened to my body and why? Like, <laughs> the, 
they warn you about a lot of the things, but bleeding gums was was not one of them. Um, but yeah, and then as soon as you have the baby, you think, oh, okay, well now the baby brain will go away and I'll be back to normal. Nope, that turns into mommy brain, which I was also not warned about. And you wonder why kids are getting left in hot cars. Uh, <laughs> the moms literally don't know they're back there. Before I became a parent, I would read stories like that, and I'm like, how could that happen? Like, how dumb do you have to be? And now I'm like, I don't even know my social security number anymore. Uh, <laughs> when I, before I came a, became a parent and, and while I was pregnant, my, uh, my boyfriend and I, uh, he's, he is the father of my, my child. We're just not married. Um, but he, uh, he and I would talk about what kind of parents we wanted to be. Um, and so uh, we would say things like, we're not going to be those parents that are like, shh, the baby's sleeping. We're just going to get him used to sleeping with noise. <laughs> like that's, those are one of the things we would aspire to. We were like, yeah, you know, he just is going to grow up in a house where there's music playing and, and it's fine and we can have normal conversations while the baby is sleeping and he'll just get used to that. And then like three months in, we were like, don't flush the toilet after 10 p.m. It's too loud. I talked to another mom that had the same uh, issue, and uh, she told me that she yelled at her husband for ripping tinfoil too loud. <laughs> and I was like, that is so my life. I, uh, I relate to that heavily. Um, when, uh, <laughs> when I was giving birth, um, uh, that was kind of when... <laughs> things changed a little bit in terms of uh, what kind of parents we were going to be. We also talked heavily before uh, we became parents about cussing because both of us cuss a lot, uh, him more than I do. Um, <laughs> and so I talked to him about it and I was like, we need to start practicing now not saying cuss words because like, you know, he'll pick up on that and pick up on that pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> And my boyfriend was of this mentality that was like, well, he's just going to learn all the words and we're just going to teach him when and when, when to and when to not use those words. I was like, he's going to be a parrot and not going to listen to your reasoning for a while. Uh, very early on, um, he decided that it would be fun to teach the baby the word dong. <laughs> D-O-N-G, dong. Yeah. He would, the, it, he's a boy, and so he likes to slap himself in the private parts. Baby boys do that. They slap themselves in the private parts. And whenever he would do that, uh, my boyfriend would say, slap that dong <laughs> to the baby. Who then one day when I was changing his diaper, slapped himself in the private parts and said, slap that dong. <laughs> and I was so proud of his pronunciation. And really, really mad at my boyfriend. But we talked about it. We were like, we, we got to start practicing now, not using cuss words. And uh, then uh, it came time for, for birth. <laughs> and uh, not using cuss words went out the window for me uh, real fast. I did not get an epidural with my birth. I didn't. I, ex I experienced the whole thing uh, without drugs, which was a terrible choice. Uh, and we also didn't get our doctor uh, that we had been working with uh, the whole time. Uh, I don't know if uh, you know this, but if you give birth uh, past 5 p.m., your doctor's off the clock. 
and you get whatever doctor <laughs> is on rotation that night. And this doctor was not ready and was 30 minutes away from the hospital when I got to, uh, oh, is that, is that the end of my shit? Is that why you're playing me off? Can I finish my joke? Dino says I can finish my joke. So they say the doctor's 30 minutes away, and I start to get mad, and I'm like holding in the baby at this point. And finally, and I, you kept like clicking, hearing the door open, and people coming in and out. And finally, I'm like holding the baby in, and I was like, where's the fucking doctor? Right as the doctor walked in, and I was meeting this person for the first time, my boyfriend goes, there she is. <laughs> Great first introduction. All right, I had more, but that's all. Thank you. Nikki Winkleman with the premise of parents. Yes, I forgot about the three to five minutes. Uh, share that microphone. Get one of those microphones over there. Grab them both. Grab one of each, if you will, ladies, as we discuss for a moment. Uh, gentlemen, also grab your microphones. This is this is the part of the uh, the premise where we all. Chime Grab in. First of dome. all, do I get a whiskey? All, my, first question, my first question goes what? to Nikki, <laughs> yeah. who had the pleasure of being, <laughs> who had the pleasure of being the special guest comedian yeah. last time, and now the competitor. How did the two positions? Well, I wouldn't have burned all my parent jokes last time if I knew I was going to. You knew you were going <laughs> to pick up parents. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do I write new stuff? But I did. I did. I didn't do anything that I'd already. No, you didn't. I can vouch did. for you. That's why it didn't go that well. That's a, uh, I, thought, I thought it went Not very true. well. First of all, I thought both ladies did very, very well. Yes. The circumstances for this particular type of thing to do are, are virtually, they're maddening. They're impo I don't want to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to sit at that table. Angie, your first experience on the show, period. Did you, did you have fun? I had a great time. Yeah. I uh, ate a big slab of weed butter before I got here, so I felt like I'd have a really great time regardless. But uh, thanks, man. So let me ask you both the question, and I want to answer, a, ask it to Chris as well. The kind of running theme at the, uh, I, I, is it impolite to ask your age? No, it's not. I'm 34. 34. At 34, what haven't you figured out yet in life? <laughs> the running theme. Oh, right? I, mean, I, don't, I should have prepared that. Uh, yeah. That, uh, the, uh, oh, um, honestly, the one I, thing that's top of mind. I, 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 I joke about it uh, on stage, but it's it's very true in life. I I am like a bloodhound for seeking out the secret bisexual in women. Uh, I am a lot, you, a lot of women's first <laughs> woman. You, you, you have a, a gift for, for finding I, I it? I guess, or maybe or, I'm a or, pariah, or, or, I'm not or, sure. Or do you like to seek it out? I don't, I don't, I don't like really seek it out. It, it, it's, I'm usually more sought out. Then uh, it's, so, but they're like, you're my first. So you're, how do I do it? <laughs> and I'm like, well. And how many, if I may be personal for just a moment, because I barely know you, how many firsts have you broken <laughs> in? I love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, round up if you need to. 40 some. 40 some. Is it, have I slept with more women than you men have? Is that, is that, why, is that why you're all like, Jesus? <laughs> I can't speak for the other two, but <laughs> I don't know I don't, what it boy, is. You boys are pretty quiet over there. You know, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm married, a dork, I'm but I'll shit. pretend to be bisexual <laughs> if it helps. I had sex with my wife once. <laughs> what? Where'd the other baby come from? You've got two kids, man. Right. It really counted. It really counted. 
Nikki Winkleman, what's the one thing you haven't figured out yet in life? The the big top thing. How to get in bed with Angie, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So funny. Uh, So much, and 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 I mean, I we're already talking. I'm already been talking about being a parent, but yeah, I mean, you have no fucking clue what you're doing raising a child until you have one. And I and I I didn't realize how little my parents knew until I had a kid, and I was like, oh, my parents know nothing. Like, they know nothing. Do you feel like your parents did nothing compared to what you're doing raising (laughs) your child? I mean, do you think you're doing more raising your kid than your parents did raising you? Well, there's more information out there, which is both good and bad, because like I'm like, oh, I don't know how to potty train, so I'll just go to the internet, or you know. uh, But they didn't have those resources in the Middle Ages. (laughs) <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> middle. Careful, I'm your parents' age. I know. With the, with the, you know no, they, the, they're older than you. Can you just like uh, litter box train them? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how. Litter box I don't know. Train Apparently, them. it's supposed to only take three days. You just have to take their pants off and let them run around for three days with no pants. And I was like, I don't have the time for that. Seriously, that's a method? I don't know. I, I only read the cover of the book so far. I'm, I'm afraid to open it. <laughs> it's the cover off no pants for three days. Yeah. <laughs> the secret to success. I, I didn't yeah. get to ask Chris that question. At 40, is there something in life, that uh, the top thing in life that you still haven't figured out yet that troubles you on a regular basis? Mm, why I'm, I'm always right and no one else sees that. I don't understand. <laughs> Everyone's just a dipshit. They haven't figured it out yet. Okay, so nothing's changed no, basically yeah. in your life. Nothing's I haven't changed. learned a damn thing. No, 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 not no, a nothing. goddamn thing at all. Not a goddamn. I'm gonna thing die at all. with this shitty attitude. Oh, that's so funny, Angie. I, you know, just uh, you t- your premise was relationships, and and uh, and gentlemen, chime in as well. Um, do you, f- you were kind of, I, I kind of picked up a vibe that you were kind of, almost bitching about how difficult it is to be in that type of relationship. When you're talking about the, the lesbian version of Tinder and you're talking about all the, you seemed annoyed by everything <laughs> that was available out there. Sure. Um, <laughs> so that's, I, that's I, not the I, you case. Know, but <laughs> is it harder in your opinion? I, I don't know that it's, it's harder. Uh, I think there are interesting things to navigate. Um, obviously making sure you're not wearing the same fucking thing when you go out on a date mm. is like an interesting thing to navigate. That um, is the worst. Also, there's this, this, con- th- some people have like conceptions uh, that are, you know, like without being like, on a tirade of feminism, but like are kind of like based within like a misogynistic idea of like, you need to be the top and I need to be the bottom or like whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, how about we just roll around and get sticky? You know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> so some people aren't uh, quite uh, in that bag. So it can be a little a little difficult to well, figure well, out that much where you fit in the puzzle. Yeah, with that much orange juice and that much Sprite, it would get a little <laughs> sticky. Yeah, yeah, right. you actually and I'm also a out. particular person. I'm very, I'm very tidy, and I, I, I have a lot of... I prefer to live alone, and every time I'm in a, a long-term relationship, I think, like, oh, we spend so much time together. We should just live together. And then I'm like, this was the downfall. <laughs> this was the absolute mistake. Can I say I love the, the the little the little bits of juice in the refrigerator? I ha- I yeah. once lost a job because my boss used to keep he would save like little things and I found a container with one lima bean in it and I went in and I was like what the fuck with the lima bean? Were you gonna share it? I was like so <laughs> angry. So no, I, that spoke to me. Well, uh, relationships are tough. I mean, I'm an absolute nightmare. I I know that. So like I. 
But like, just to give an example, what it's like living with my wife. We went to Italy for a honeymoon, and she thought, uh, "You're welcome," or "Thank you," or whatever. I don't remember. I was drunk all the time. Grazie, right? Yeah. And uh, then there's grazie, yeah. right? Uh, and then we found out which the correct one was, but it wasn't the one my wife thought it was. <laughs> and we had seven Italian people tell us what the correct one was. Yeah. And she was like, they're wrong. I'm they're, like, they're, 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 they're Italian. They live here. This is their language. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's grazie. It's not grazie. Because that's what I heard from somebody in Ohio. And that's what it's going to be. And that's my life now. And so. what were you thinking at that particular point? Did you think it right then and there like, <laughs> I chose wrong? No. Uh, I no. thought, let me impregnate you on this honeymoon and have a daughter who does the same exact shit that you do. <laughs> so I can argue with two of you. And, and while well, Nikki, you didn't have the you didn't have the topic of relationships. Uh, no. You're uh, you're you're with your baby daddy. Yes. Yeah. We're not. Yeah, we're not. We talked about this last yeah. time. We're not married, but we are together. It's weird though, because when I tell people that he's my boyfriend, they think he's not my baby's father. <laughs> but when I tell them he, when I refer to him as my child's father, they think we're not together. So I can't why win. Th- why do you think that is? I don't know. I just lie and tell people that he's my husband. I just refer, to, and he does the same thing. He says my wife, and we, and I say my. So why don't you guys, if you're going to refer to each other as husband and wife? Why don't you just get married? Because the only person I don't say that to is the Medicaid office. (laughs) 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 Nope, still single. Just a single mom over here needing some help. (laughs) (laughs) Big round of applause for Nikki Winkleman and Angie Healy. We're about to put the microphone up there and keep hold on to the microphones. It's up to you now, the studio audience, to decide which of these ladies uh, is the winner this evening? So first up to bat, Angie, if you would take your take your respective bows, if you will. Oh. Angie Healy with the premise of relationships. <laughs> Nikki Winkleman with the premise of parents. It's That's a tie and we scissor in front of you. Oh, my God, my dreams are coming true. <laughs> 41, 41. <laughs> I think, I think I'm definitely having both of you back. As a, I think the <laughs> bottle of Maker's Mark uh, goes to the very tidy lesbian uh, Maker's Mark. Angie Healy gets the Maker's Mark whiskey. Nikki Winkleman. It gets the drowner sours and the nine dollars and forty-four cent benchmark oh, whiskey. Thank you. My kid's gonna go to sleep on this. So also, <laughs> also, let's Can not forget the lovely consolation prize, the Damara Sisters, Italian songs. Mama never taught me. I don't know. Uh, 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 <laughs> yes. Oh, I think that's it's lovely. Us. Is you can give it's Nikki. Us. I think, shh, it's yeah, totally the, us. The, 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 the ones got her mouth. I, I saw that when I was looking at them. I'm like, shh, we're not really sisters. <laughs> Scissor sisters. My favorite song in there is Grazie or Grazie. That's Grazie, my favorite. <laughs> Grazie. <laughs> all right, big round of applause for all my guests this evening. Nikki Winkleman, Angie Healy, special guest comedian Chris Cohen, special guest panelist Mike Larson. Big thanks to my uh, crew back there, the creator of the premise, John Whitney, my audio producer, Greg Hansberry, the guy wandering around telling me that I'm running behind, Chip Cosell right there, Chip Cassell right there. 
And uh, also want to thank you guys, the studio audience, for coming out for our third installment of The Premise. There will be another one coming up in October. Uh, check out Shadowbox uh, Box Office to find out when exactly that is. October 22nd, right before Halloween. Right around before Halloween. So thank you so much for coming out. Uh, the, the, the Premise is a whiskey business slash Never the Luck production. And my name is Dino Trapotis. Until the next bottle, see ya! You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.